Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Romans. Chapter 1 is where we're going to start, and we will land in chapter 10. And while you're turning there, I just want to say that it is sincerely an honor to be at College Park this morning. Specifically, I want you as a church family to know how thankful I am for your pastor and his encouragement to me and example to me and friendship with me, especially amidst a variety of challenges over recent years. And then even beyond a personal level, uh, weep with me and dark clouds, deep mercy have ministered to me and my family in ways far beyond what he could ever know. My, my wife has given out dark clouds, deep mercy to so many people that I sincerely believe Mark owes us a portion of those royalties. <laughs> In all seriousness, I am thankful for Mark Brogan and for this church, for your perseverance in the gospel over the years even recent years, and for the privilege of partnership together in the gospel, as Nate mentioned, just knowing how this church has given, by God's grace, millions of dollars to work around the world to this Christmas offering over years. And so to have the opportunity with Radical to partner together, specifically doing ministry on the front lines of urgent spiritual and physical need in places like Afghanistan in the world, where as Nate mentioned, you can't, you can't do some of the traditional sorts of things, but there are ways that we can and must work together to use our resources to get behind getting the gospel to people who've never heard it in really hard places, which leads right into what I want to speak about this morning. And I only have a few minutes to address the greatest injustice in the world. So I'm going to jump right in and tell you where all of this is going at the end of our time together. In the word a few minutes from now, I am going to offer you a specific invitation to stand right where you are in this room if you would be willing to put a stake in the ground today and say the following. I'll put it up here on the screen. If you would be willing to say, God, I will do whatever you call me to do, no matter what it costs, to get the gospel to people who have never heard it. God, I will do whatever you call me to do, no matter what it costs, to get the gospel to people who have never heard it. So the key words in this statement are, God, this is you potentially standing before God. This is not about standing because someone else is standing or you think you should stand or you would feel bad sitting. This is about you soberly saying to the God who made you, who loves you, saying you will do whatever, no strings attached. God, I will pack my bags and move somewhere else, anywhere else in the world if you want me to. That means to sell my possessions. That means to rearrange the plans I have for my life or my family or my marriage or parenting 
talking major decisions in your life now, in the future, in the rest of your life. This is saying, God, whenever, wherever, however, whatever you call me to do, no matter the cost, knowing there is absolutely no way for you to carry out this commitment without cost, without sacrifice. This is not for everybody. Many of you are not ready to say this, so don't stand. We're talking about sacrifice to do what? To get the gospel, the good news of God's love in Jesus to people, to women and men and kids and young adults and senior adults and students, people just like you and me who follow this have never heard it. People who've never heard the gospel. So let me show you a map up here on the screen that some of you may be familiar with. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should be familiar with. So there's three main colors on this map, green, yellow, and red. The green represents areas that are classified in the world as reached with the gospel. Obviously, that doesn't mean that everyone who lives in these areas is a follower of Jesus. We know that. But these are places in the world where the gospel has come and disciples have been made and churches have been planted and people have access to the gospel. People have others around them, whether individual Christians or churches that are proclaiming the gospel, singing, celebrating the gospel like we are today. Yellow areas on this map are places that are less reached by the gospel. Usually in one of two directions, either there used to be more access to the gospel there, think about places in Europe, for example, and there is less and less access to the gospel, less Christians, less churches proclaiming the gospel, or maybe the gospel has recently come to that area. It's starting to grow and be more accessible, but there are still a variety of people who have not been reached by the gospel in the yellow. And then you have the red, and the red is where we see unreached people in the world people who don't have access to the gospel. Let's be really clear, when we use the word unreached, we don't just mean lost. So people are just as lost in Indianapolis as they are in Saudi Arabia. If you're in sin, apart from God, apart from faith in Jesus, you're lost. The difference is in Indianapolis, there's Christians and churches proclaiming the gospel, so you have access to it. If you are in Saudi Arabia, there's very few Christians, very few churches, so you don't have access to the gospel. This is why we don't say, I don't know why we talk about unreached people around the world. I mean, there's unreached people in my office, or there's unreached people in my neighborhood. It's not true. Those people are not unreached. You say, how do you know? Because they're in your office. <laughs> they're in your neighborhood. They have access to the gospel. You're it. We're talking about people, so practically, if you live in the red, what that practically means is you'll be born, live, and die, and the likelihood is you'll never even hear the gospel. Nobody will tell it to you. And in this red area in the world, there are approximately 3.2 billion people. 3.2 billion billion people who are being born and living and dying without ever hearing the gospel. That will continue to happen until somebody goes and tells the gospel to them, or if the few believers who are there get, don't get help and support. 
And here's the deal. I actually believe we can reach these areas of the world in our day. Not any one of us individually, but together as the church. Think about the world we live in today. Globalization, urbanization, ease of travel, new technologies. We have more opportunities to spread the gospel in the world than ever before in history. The church in the first century could have only dreamed about the opportunities we have to reach the nations. It took them months to sail from one city to the next. We can get to the other side of the world in a day. They had to write letters that would take weeks, months to be delivered. Between social media, translation software, the metaverse, we can communicate with people around the world in real time from a device in our pockets. I look out across this room. I obviously don't know all of you, but I see people with all kinds of different jobs and degrees and resources and opportunities that can open doors for the spread of the gospel in the red. So for medical students or nurses or doctors in the room, I could point you right now to just about any job you could want in the heart of the Middle East if you'd be willing to go there. The same is true for teachers and engineers and entrepreneurs and business leaders and fitness specialists. I could go on and on, so many opportunities in the middle of the red, in addition to jobs that we can get here in one of the wealthiest places in the world where we can give and sacrifice to support the spread of the gospel there. But it all starts with saying, God, I will do whatever you call me to do, no matter what it costs, to get the gospel to people who've never heard it. And in order to lead to this invitation for some of you to stand and to say this, I actually wanna do something a little different. I wanna flip the idea around a moment and ask the question, what if we don't stand and say this? In other words, what if we don't do whatever God calls us to do? What happens if we don't sacrifice? We don't get the gospel to people who've never heard it. What happens to 3.2 billion people when they die if we don't get the gospel to them? That's a pretty important question, isn't it? For 3 billion people in the world. And I think for most Christians in America where the gospel has come, either we don't realize there are 3 billion people in the world who've never heard the gospel, or we think they'll be okay when they die. They'll go to heaven. That's the only answer I can come up with for why we are not talking about this all the time in the church and in Christianity here. Like if we believed three billion people were dying and going to hell without even hearing about heaven, I, th- I think we'd be talking about this all the time. Like we gotta do something, not just a couple of times a year. And, And not just a few people who are gonna focus on this. Like, this is all of us. We gotta pull together our resources. This is not tolerable. Three billion people in the world going to hell. They've never even heard how to go to heaven. We can't just turn a blind eye and deaf ear to this. We long for justice, right? Is there any greater injustice than three billion people going to hell while all the people who know how to go to heaven sit back and do little to nothing? which is, by the way, what we are doing. We've done the research. We spend, we know, most of our money on ourselves and what we want in this world. 
that's not gonna last. And then we give some of our money to churches or ministries, which a lot of that we then spend on making church comfortable for ourselves. But then a small portion of our giving individually and then as churches goes to what we call like missions, like work around the world in other countries. A very small portion. But did you know, even out of that small portion, approximately 99% of what we give to work around the world actually goes to green places on this map. Latin America, Sub-Saharan Africa, parts of Europe and Asia. God, open our eyes. Even when we pat ourselves on the back because we're giving to missions, we're still ignoring the three billion people in the world who most need the gospel. Which makes sense, I guess, if the people in the red are going to heaven. But it makes no sense if they're going to hell. So what does the Bible say? What does God tell us in his word happens to them? And I just wanna show you what the Bible says about them, what God tells us about them in a way that should leave us with a clear answer to what happens if we don't do whatever God calls us to do, no matter the cost, to get the gospel to them. Let me encourage you to write this down, either physically or at least imprint it on your mind and your heart, what God tells us about these 3.2 billion people in the world. So the first thing we know about them is that they have knowledge of God. So if you wanna follow along, Romans chapter one, verse 18, says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth of God by their wickedness. Since, follow this, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse For although they knew God, they have knowledge of God. Plain and simple, every single person in the red, regardless of where they live in the world, has knowledge of God. Now, of course, they don't all acknowledge or believe in God, which leads to the second truth. They have all rejected God. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged, follow this, the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. Now to be clear, this is not just talking about them. This is talking about us and every single person in the world, whether you're in the green or yellow or red. This is the reality of sin in every person's heart, in your heart, in my heart, and in every person around the world. We have all sinned against God. We've all turned aside from God's ways to our own ways, from God's truth to our own thoughts, which then leads to truth number three. Again, talking about those in the red, but in a way that applies to all of us, none of them are innocent before God. These initial verses 
in Romans are some of the most sobering in all of scripture. From Romans 1, 18 to 2, 16, the Bible talks about the sinfulness of the Gentiles, the people outside of the Jewish people. And then in verse 17 of chapter two, God begins to talk about the sinfulness of the Jewish people. All the way to chapter three, verse eight. And we get to chapter three, verse nine. It says, what shall we conclude? Then in light of all this, it is written. There is no one righteous, not even one. No one who understands. No one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. None of them are innocent before God. All of them are guilty of sin before a holy God. And here's why this is so important, because the way this question is most often asked, someone will say, well, what happens to the innocent man or woman or child in this part of the world who's never heard the gospel? What happens to them when they die? And if you were to ask me that question, I would say in response, without hesitation, 100% confidence that that person, even though they've never heard the gospel, will go to heaven when they die. I mean, if they're innocent, they have no need for good news about someone to save them from their sin. Of course they'll go to heaven. The only problem is they don't exist. There are no innocent people in the world just waiting to hear the gospel. You see how we bias the question toward ourselves and away from God from the beginning as if God is doing some unjust thing to innocent people like you and me? There are no innocent people in the world. There are guilty people all over the world. That's why they need the gospel. None of them are innocent before God, which leads to truth number four. They all stand condemned for rejecting God. So Romans 3, 19 and 20, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that follow this, every mouth is silenced. The whole world is held accountable to God. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather through the law, we become conscious of sin. In other words, not only are people guilty, but there's no amount of good we can do to overcome our guilt. All people are condemned for rejecting God. And follow this, this is true regardless of whether or not people have heard the gospel. And that's really important because I think many Christians have the idea that these people in the red will go to heaven because they have not rejected the gospel. They haven't even heard it. So surely God is loving and will let them into heaven. But if that was the case, if they're not hearing the gospel, gives them some sort of pass into heaven because they never had a chance to hear, then what's the worst thing we could do for their eternity? Go tell them the gospel, right? Before we got there, 100% of them were going to heaven because they hadn't heard the gospel. Now that we shared the good news with them, they could go to hell. Thanks a lot, they would say. Just keep the good news to yourself. Now this would undercut the whole command of Jesus to make disciples of all the nations. The reality is, even if people haven't heard or rejected the gospel, they stand condemned for rejecting God. Again, these are some of the most sobering verses in all the Bible. I just picture Paul by Romans chapter three, verse 20 in tears, overwhelmed by the sinfulness in his own heart and in the world. But then I picture him wiping the tears, picking back up the pen and writing, but now a righteousness from God 
apart from the law has been made known. And this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God and are. Don't just memorize the bad news, like the good news. They are justified, see it, freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's worth memorizing. Don't just memorize the bad news, the good news. This is truth number five about them. God loves them and God has made a way of salvation for them. Just as God loves us, God loves them. This is the gospel. It's the greatest news in the world. God has made a way for us to be saved from our sin. Jesus has come. He has lived the life we could not live a life of no sin, and then even though he had no sin for which to die, he chose to die on a cross to pay the price for sinners. Then the good news keeps getting better because he didn't stay dead for long. Three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering sin and death, so that anyone, anywhere in the world, no matter who you are or what you have done, if you will turn from your sin, put your trust in Jesus, you will be forgiven of all your sin and restored to relationship with God for all of eternity. This is the greatest news in the world. I think about, think about being in one of those places in the red and sitting outside a temple. And it was a temple to this one particular religion and I'm, I'm talking with two guys, one who goes to that temple, another one who goes to a temple for another religion, and then me. So the three of us are talking. And, and they, they, they keep telling me, they say, uh, I mean, we believe, we call, we believe different things, but fundamentally, our beliefs are the same. We may use different terms and have different practices, but our religions are the same. And I'm just listening. Finally, I said, it's almost like you guys picture God or whatever you wanna call him at the top of a mountain and we're all at the bottom of a mountain and I may take this path up and you may take this path up, but in the end, we'll find ourselves in the same place. And they smiled, they said, exactly, you understand. I said, let me ask you a question. What would you think if I told you that the God at the top of the mountain didn't wait for us to find a way up to him, but he actually came down the mountain to where we are and brought us to himself? They said, that would be great. I said, that is the difference. Let me introduce you to Jesus. God has made the way of salvation for us. It's the greatest news in the world. And that good news is not just for us, it's for them. Which leads to truth number six. They cannot come to God apart from faith in Jesus. This is Romans 3, 27 through 30. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. On what principle? That of observing the law? No, but that of faith. We maintain that a man is justified and made right before God by faith, apart from observing the law, not based on what we do, based on trusting in who Jesus is and what he has done. Is God the God of Jews only? Is not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there's only one God who will judge the circumcised, the Jewish people, by faith, and the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, through that same faith. This is how people can be saved from their sin, by faith in Jesus. But that brings us back to the question, doesn't it? How can people put their faith in Jesus if they've never heard of Jesus? And that's the exact question that Paul asks in Romans 10, that we heard read in Mandarin just a few moments ago, starting in verse 13. He says, everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? 
And how can they, anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The picture here is crystal clear. People can't put their faith in Jesus. They can't call on his name if they don't hear about Jesus. If they don't hear about him, they can't call on him, and they can't be saved from their sin. So get the picture. Three billion people cannot go to heaven if they don't hear about the one who makes heaven possible. It's simple logic. They won't hear unless somebody tells them. Which leads to the last thing about them and It's where you and I come in. Jesus has left us in this world to get the gospel to them. Jesus has left all of us, not just a few special ones, all of us in this world to do whatever he calls us to do to get the gospel to them. Right before Jesus went to heaven, what did he tell his followers to do? One thing. Not just a few of his followers, all of his followers. Make disciples. Where? Among all the nations. He said, I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to put my spirit inside. Not just a few of you, all of you. You're going to have my spirit in you. So you'll be what? You'll be witnesses where? To the ends of the earth. Not just in one place, but in every place. Among every group of people. All the nations. Let me show you this in what we just read in Romans. Look at the verbs in this passage in reverse. And as you do, you'll see God's plan for making the gospel known to all the nations. Follow this with me. Uh, We'll start here with sending. So it all starts with Jesus sending his followers. Not a few, all of his followers. Sending them out with the gospel to do what? To preach it. Now, when you hear preach, don't picture standing behind a podium in front of a large group of people. Like, yes, that. But on a very basic level, just looking at somebody else in the eye and telling them the good news, proclaiming the good news of how they can be saved from their sin. That's preaching. That's what Jesus sends all of his followers to do, to be witnesses, to preach. And what happens? When we preach, what will happen? People will hear. So unless we're just speaking to a wall or to ourselves, people will hear. And if they hear, what will happen? They will believe. Now, obviously, we know not everyone who hears the gospel believes, but we know how the end of this story goes. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10 says, One day a multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language is going to gather around the throne of our God, singing praises for his salvation. You know what that means? That means all those people groups that are represented on that wall out there, you can go to any single one of them. You can proclaim the gospel and somebody's coming out. Somebody's gonna believe from all, they're all gonna be around the throne. It's guaranteed. So people will believe and when they believe, what will they do? They'll call and everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. So there's the plan. So let's look back then and ask, where could this plan break down? Will those who call the name of the Lord be saved? Yes, everyone. Will those who believe call on his name? Yes. Will those who hear believe? Again, not everybody, but some will, guaranteed. When this good news is proclaimed, preached, will people hear it? Unless we're talking to a wall, yes. Is Jesus still sending followers? 
Has he taken a generation off? Has he said, hey, most of you just sit back and coast through this comfortable Christianity. This will be for a few people. No, the only potential part, point where this whole plan breaks down is when followers of Jesus sent by him do not give their lives, no matter what it costs, getting the good news to those who've never heard it. That's the only potential breakdown. When followers of Jesus say, we're just gonna live our lives in places where the gospel has gone and we're gonna turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to them. We're gonna create a whole culture of Christianity that practically ignores them. This is what we have done. And I want to urge you today, not a special group of people, when, I'm, when, when I say, God, I will do whatever you call me to do no matter what it costs, this isn't a, a signing up to move overseas tomorrow. This is a saying, if you want me to do that, I'll do that. If you want me to stay here in Indianapolis, I'll do that. I'll do whatever you call me to do. If you want me to pack my bags and move to the Middle East, I'll, I'll do that. You're willing to say that to Jesus? I would just say, if you're not willing to say that, you need to ask the question, are you actually following Jesus? Because this is, this is what it means to follow Jesus. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You sacrifice the right to determine the direction of your life. This is not just prayer, prayer, coast through casual, comfortable Christianity until you get to heaven. That's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity says, I'll do whatever you call me to do. This isn't just for a few missionaries. This is for followers of Jesus to say, here's my life, spin me however you want. This is why I'm on this planet. I wanna make this good news known among the nations. This is why my marriage exists. I wanna glorify your name among the nations. Psalm 34, verse three. This is why parenting exists. I wanna raise up kids who love Jesus and wanna accomplish a great commission more than they want, great money, great careers, great jobs, anything else in this world. This changes the way we view Christianity. And I'm urging you today, based on the authority of God's word, to refuse to settle for a casual, comfortable Christian spin on the American dream and to spend your life doing whatever God calls you to do, no matter what it costs you, whether here or anywhere else in the world, getting the gospel to people who've never heard it. You say, well, I'm only one person. Like, what can I do? And I would just say, well, of course you are. God made you that way. You're one person, but so are they. So I know I've mentioned three billion over and over again, but these are individual people, see them. We're talking about Hajira in Afghanistan. Her people group is Pashtun, it's the largest people group in Afghanistan, and she and her close-knit tribe live by a code of protecting each other's honor, showing generous hospitality. She works hard for her family day in and day out in a barren, mountainous region where she lives. We're talking about Tahil in Somalia. He lives in the capital, Mogadishu, port city just north of the equator on the Indian Ocean. Many of the men he knows have left Somalia, but he's stayed in this impoverished country, convinced this is the best way he can care for his parents and his wife and his kids. We're talking about Amir and Aliyah in Yemen. Older brother, younger sister, they still possess childlike zeal for life, even though they live in the middle of the largest humanitarian crisis in the world right now, surrounded by civil war and conflict that they were born into with parents who struggle every single day to find food for them. Can we just hear what Jesus is saying about each of them? They 
all Hajira to heal Amir and Aaliyah. They all have knowledge of God. They have all rejected God. They're all guilty of sin. They all stand before God, condemned in their sin, yet God loves each one of them. God loves Hajira. God loves to heal. God loves Amir. God loves Aaliyah so much that he sent his son Jesus, God in the flesh, to give his life so they could have eternal life with him, but they can't experience eternal life with him if nobody tells them about Jesus. And Jesus is saying to his church right now, I've left you here for a reason and it's not to spend your life on stuff that won't last. Open your eyes and see what matters. Three billion Hajiras and Tahils and Amirs and Aliyahs on a road right now that leads to an eternal hell and nobody's even told them how they can go to heaven. And some of us are still thinking, but how can that be just of God? And it is just like us in our sinfulness to question the justice of God as we directly disobey the commands of God. See it, do you want justice? And give your life, do whatever he calls you to do to alleviate eternal suffering, eternal poverty, eternal slavery to sin for billions of people. That's the invitation for you no matter who you are, what age or stage of life you are in, for you to put a stake in the ground and to say, I will do, God, whatever you call me to do, no matter what it costs, to get the gospel to people who've never heard it. So will you bow your heads with me? I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I really wanna challenge you to keep your eyes closed during this time. These kinds of things, like there's just such a temptation to look around at different points. But this invitation is about no one else but you and God right now. This is not about seeing how anybody else responds. And it's sure not about letting how they respond affect the way you respond. As best as I can, I just wanna help you look to God alone right now. He's the one speaking to your heart. Like tune every body else out, everything else out. And I, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand if you would say, God, I will do whatever you call me to do, no matter what it costs, to get the gospel to people who've never heard it. And really, I really wanna encourage you to stand only if you're willing to put a stake in the ground and say that before God. And some of you, for a host of reasons, right now are not at a point where you're ready to to say that. At the same time, others of you, maybe you've said something like this in the past and I want you to feel free to stand and say in a fresh way, that, that stake is still in the ground in my life. God, here I am, whatever you call me to do. You alone know what God's doing in your heart and your life right now. But I'm praying that God will raise up a wave of Christians who will say, we'll do whatever you tell us to do to get the gospel people who've never heard it. And today is an opportunity for some of you to join in that. So God, I pray that you would help every person in this room to respond with honest authenticity and humble courage in this moment. So right now, before God, just you and God, if you would say, God, I'll do whatever you call me to do, no matter what it costs, to get the gospel to people who've never heard it.
Would you just quietly stand up where you are? Again, just eyes closed, like between you and God. If you'd be willing to say that, would you just quietly stand to your feet? Just you before God. See him standing before him. Oh God, you, you see even more than a physical eye could see right now. You see the hearts of every single person who's standing right now. And we pray that you are pleased, glorified, honored with the surrender of our lives. I just I pray over every single person who's standing right now for a spirit of bold faith in this moment. God, I, I pray that they would, in a deeper way right now, just have a spirit of faith to trust in you, to lead them, guide them, direct them, however you desire. And God, I, I pray over them. This, this first step, I pray over them for the next step. And the next step, the next step, that you will lead and guide. God, as, as long as they're here in Indianapolis, wherever they might live if they're visiting here, that they would make disciples of the nations wherever you have them. And God, that you would transform the way they pray for the nations, the way they give, the spread of the gospel of the nations, the way they live. God, as long as you leave any one of us here, we pray that you'd help us to live sacrificially here for the spread of the gospel to people who've never heard it. And God, I trust that some who are standing, you will lead to go in different ways, maybe even short-term trips or Longer than that, some to move to parts of the red. We say, whatever you want us to do. God, I just, we wanna be so bold as to ask that there would be people in the red who hear the gospel for the first time from lips and lives in this room. God, we pray that the fruit of the feet who have stood, that have stood today, that the fruit of that would be good news being proclaimed in the red, disciples being made and churches being planted and multiplied among the unreached. God, bring it about, I pray. Spend our lives however you will and keep the adversary from distracting and diverting these who are standing in the days ahead. They would not settle for anything less than everything you call them to. And God, I pray, I pray for those who are sitting for so many different reasons. I don't presume to know. And God, I pray for anyone who's not put their trust in you, Jesus, that they would know that you love them You've made a way of salvation for them and that they might, even today, put their trust in you, Jesus. And then, God, for any followers of Jesus who are sitting, God, I pray, I pray that you would help them remove whatever is keeping them from denying themselves, taking up a cross and following you. Help them to see that you're worthy of trust. If they can trust you to save them for the next 10 trillion years, that they can surely trust you to lead them on this earth. And not just to lead you, lead them, but to satisfy them every step of the way. I pray that you would give them faith in the days to come. They would lead to this kind of surrender. And in all of this, God, we pray that in our day, you would help us to steward this short life you've given us, these resources you have given us for the spread of the gospel to people who've never heard it. God, we pray that there would be a massive change in the red in our day. 
because of your grace in our lives as your church. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.